Hey everyone, my name is Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another special episode of Make Ours Marvel that we like to call Not Comics. This is our 12th Not Comics special, and we are back once again to talk about new Marvel movies because there was a new one recently and it's taken us a few weeks to get it out just because of I was sick for a while and then I was in New York and then I was I was caught I, it was me it was me I'm sorry I'm sorry y'all but um but we're here and gracing us once again with her expertise and awesome colleagues uh knowledge is Sarah Sentry welcome back to the show Sarah thank you for having me and um we are going to talk about Captain Marvel so, uh, yeah, Captain Marvel finally came out, which means it's almost time for Endgame. It is this month, as of this recording. Three weeks. So, so let's uh, let's just do some some couple of sentences overviews. Sarah, what was your what was your response to the movie? Oh, I thought it was really good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Mike, how'd you feel about it? Uh, I thought it was okay, like right. average. You know, on those lists of like everyone's favorite movies that I've never tried to do because I'm too scared to do that. It'd be like mm-hmm. kind of in the middle somewhere, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. My enjoyment factor of it increased as the movie went on. Okay. Um, I was, I was a little bit questioning some of the early stuff with the, you know, her fighting as a Cree. It was fine. I just wasn't as super into it as I wanted to be. But then mm-hmm. as the movie went on, I was enjoying it more and more. And by the end I was like, ah! <laughs> so yeah, I, 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 I enjoyed it. Um, Okay, so Captain Marvel, there's like a whole slew of Captain Marvel characters. Um, (laughs) And I've always really enjoyed Carol Danvers. Um, My first exposure with her was Avengers Annual 10, which was the first appearance. I got it because it was the first appearance of Rogue. Mm -hmm. But then I got this like huge story that was like following up on a really questionable story that had been done in Avengers. Mm-hmm. I was young. I didn't really realize the depth and the ramifications of what was going on in the story. I just knew I really liked this character. She was telling off the Avengers and all this other stuff. But yeah. Whereas, Doesn't she like make them cry? <laughs> like, I think she does. Like, wow, I think Carol, Jan cries face. and yeah, they're super shamefaced. Um, and then when I got back into comics in the mid 2000s, I picked up the Brian Reed series that was going on at the time and read back from the beginning of that. And then she got the name Captain Marvel instead of Ms. Marvel. And I've read some of that. And I've read her original Ms. Marvel run in the 70s from Chris Claremont and others. And yeah, um, Sarah, what, what's your experience with the character? Um, I at this point, I've written like 30 articles on her. Um, right. <laughs> I. <laughs> Just so many that I like forget that I wrote some of them sometimes. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I did write that, didn't I? Um, I have been reading the way that I first saw her was in the Avengers comics that were done by Kurt Busaic and George Perez in the late 90s, other than the binary. Like I saw her as binary and was like sold beyond sold. Um and then, yeah, I, I read the follow-up of that, like, like later, whenever she's, like, depowered, becomes Warbird and all of that. And I thought that that was, like, a strange take on the character, I guess. So I was, like, kind of, like, not following up on her that much for a long time. And then finally just dove right in, read all of her appearances. Like, now I'm a Carol Danvers expert. Yeah, because in writing all those articles, of course, you read and reread, you know, all of her history. It so this times <laughs> like, <laughs> at this point I've read, I, I find the Miss Marvel series, like the original Miss Marvel series really questionable. But at this point I've reread it probably like seven times or something. Cause I just keep like, Oh man, I need to check that. Like what, where exactly were like the Cree, like at that moment in time, you know, you have to like check these like ridiculous facts. And the only way to check them is to like read the comics. Cause they don't have these, like there's, there's really comprehensive databases, but there isn't that comprehensive of a database out there that's just like, I've covered every single one of these like Marvel comics, because obviously that's like a superhuman feat at this point. Mm-hmm. And we'll, I want to come back to that Ms. Marvel series, at least briefly in a few minutes. But Mike, what's uh, what's your experience with Captain Marvel? Well, you kind of know a little about her and Sarah knows a lot about her. So I'll say that I know nothing about her just to really balance it out here. <laughs> OK, um, actually. Kind of the whole Captain Marvel, any of them really are is like kind of a deficit for me in terms of 
Marvel knowledge. Like I'm of course aware of them and I know who started what and where they got their powers and all that stuff. But as far as actually reading stories, I think my first Carol Danvers stories was like a zombie Carol that rogue had to fight in Mm -hmm. a, in a Chris Claremont, Jim Lee comic. Yep. And I know that. I don't, I don't even remember what, why that was happening now. I just remember the fight and thinking, Oh, okay. So this lady got her mind absorbed by rogue. Good to know, you know, like Mm -hmm. I didn't know that stuff. And then, like like you, Sarah, Kurt Busiek, uh, I think she was Warbird yep. during Avengers. So I, all I remember about that is that she became an alcoholic or, you know, I guess always was an alcoholic. Uh-huh. Um, that's all I can really remember as far as contribution to storyline. And otherwise, I don't really know much. Um, as I was thinking about that, when I went to go see this movie, this is probably the first like MCU movie where I had no real particular attachment to the character, you know. Hmm. So that was kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't read hardly anything. I've never even read The Death of Captain Marvel, even though I've flipped through it, like, multiple times. I've never actually sat down to read it. Like, oh, the, a- you know, Marvel, the original guy. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. All that stuff. Yeah, that's- I know. That's like an epic tale. And I I guess, like, <laughs> cosmic stuff just doesn't attract me for some reason. Oh, sure. I um, get that. <laughs> yeah, it, the cosmic side of Marvel is one of those things I just haven't read nearly as much as yeah. is out there. And not as much as I want to, honestly. I'd like to sample more of it, but... Mm-hmm. I'm a big fan, but you know, it's it's not for everybody. I was a big fan of Quasar. That's about as close to Quasar's Marvelish <laughs> Marvelish stuff as I got because he was like he had the bands that Captain Marvel was supposed to have or something like uh-huh. that. I don't know. Yep. So I so they talked about him every once in a while in mm-hmm. that series, but that was as much cosmic as I got was Mark Granwald's uh Quasar run, I think. Mm-hmm. Well just I, a uh, go ahead. I like Quasar. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Me too. He's cool, and I haven't read a lot of Quasar, but he is loosely tied to the Marvel, right? You know, concept, right? Mm-hmm. He he is the protector of the universe after Marvel was the protector of the universe, mm-hmm. and I think that Eon or whatever that guy's name was, that weird floating brain eyeball <laughs> thing, right, was going to give Captain Marvel those quantum bands, but for some reason couldn't or didn't or I can't remember. So instead, gave him cosmic awareness or something like that. And Marvel had the yeah. mega bands that like yeah, he had, and Rick Jones. Right. He had different bands, not the kind that do the energy Green Lantern thing, I guess. I don't know. I can't remember. I have to reread that, I guess. <laughs> so for those who, who who don't know, just a quick rundown. And I want to get uh, some of your thoughts on some of this, Sarah. And you too, Mike, if you have anything, but Sarah, you've read so much. Um, so Carol Danvers was first introduced as supporting cast in um, Captain Marvel's comic. Yeah, this Kree warrior who's crashed to Earth, and um, I forget exactly. I think his mission was to like start in- spying and infiltrating. So he goes to this like Air Force base, and Captain of Security, Chief of Security on the base was Carol Danvers. Um, <clears throat> and over the course of his first eighteen issues, she's becoming increasingly suspicious of Wendell Vaughn, the uh, the. Basically, the guy that Captain Marvel accidentally kills and takes his place, mm-hmm. I think, if I remember right. Um, and there's an incident in issue 18 of Captain Marvel where uh, he fires a blast and it accidentally hits her or Jan Rog fires a blast or some some Kree energy passes through Carol Danvers and kills her and she's dead. Um, but then like a handful of years later they get the idea to bring her back and they create this Ms. Marvel character, um, which it's the worst kept secret of the book that (laughs) Ms. Marvel is actually Carol Danvers. They play with, you know, the idea that they don't actually come out and say that she is for a few issues. Mm -hmm. Um, And the, the ideas behind that book were, and and (laughs) these are a bunch of guys in the 1970s, but they're like, let's make a woman positive story. Let's make a woman positive comic. And they called her Ms. Marvel because the Ms. magazine had just debuted. Um, and they, at least ostensibly, were trying to make a feminist title. But Sarah, how did that go? <laughs> <clears throat> well, not great. Um <laughs> Well, it's not good. I don't know. It's hard. I, I try to like be as forgiving as I possibly can be, but also I'm like, that's not good, you guys. <laughs> like that was bad. Um, there is 
some good stuff. Like she becomes the editor of Woman Magazine, which is like totally an analog of Ms. Magazine, which is funny. Um, and even though she has like no editorial background, she just kind of shows up and like J. Jonah Jameson is like a woman. I've been meaning to hire a woman <laughs> like and gives her a job. And then he just kind of proceeds to say like super sexist, like grading things to her like all of the time for issue after issue until he fires her. <laughs> and then because um, they have they like kind of butt heads, but it's like the way that they butt heads is also like makes you kind of like Carol a lot because she doesn't engage with him that much. Like, like, he'll just kind of start yelling at her and she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then just kind of like walks away and is just like, I'm so concerned about my life as Miss Marvel <laughs> and like doesn't care. So essentially what everybody else does with J. Jonah Jameson? I think that like other people are kind of scared of J. Jonah. Like you see him like yell and a lot of people like dodge him and like you always yeah. see something like chaotic things happening around the bullpen and like all of that stuff. Um, but yeah, Carol just kind of like ignores it. And then she's just kind of like, God, that guy's like the worst, like in her head, like all of the time. But she's kind of put in charge of like a bunch, like this kind of unruly staff, I guess. And like, it's all like men working at woman magazine, which is weird. And like, probably like time correct, but also just weird to like read back. Um, there's just a lot of problems. Like it's, it's like kind of still a campy classic, I guess, in a way it's, really indicates like what the kind of like mood was I guess of the time because you have uh, you know Spider-Woman and She-Hulk were out there doing exactly the same mistakes <laughs> like very condescending you know like a lot of sexist like joke rants where like Jay Jonah is just saying like oh women why'd they ever let him out of the kitchen and like that kind of mm-hmm. stuff and it's like cool but but like I'm a I don't want to read this <laughs> that much. Like we you know, you hear these things if like as a woman, you know, you don't want to like read it really that much in a comic and be like, oh cool, well, that's great. Like he doesn't get a come up and it's like nothing bad happens to him because he says these things, you know. So it's just mm-hmm. kinda like, I don't know. So this took place in these were what, late sixties, seventies comics? Late seventies. Uh, yeah, late seventies. Seventies. Oh, late seventies, wow. Yeah, I mean, they had had, like, a really bad time, you know, like, they did, like, the, <laughs> there was, like, the trio of comics that they did that was, like, I think, Shanna the She-Devil, the Cat, and then uh, one that I'm Nightmares, yes, and they were, like, just, you know, they didn't do very well, and then after that, Marvel was, like, we will never do a comic about a woman again (laughs) and then like a few years later like they like you know Chris Claremont pushes for this stuff like you see Claremont like work pretty hard to like get recognition but Claremont was the primary writer on Miss Marvel and he missteps like all of the time that's like kind of why I try to be forgiving about it though because I'm like he does better later like he kind of like he's always you know everybody we all have our like weird you know biases I guess but like um, Chris Claremont like actually made an effort to do like more feminist and more woman focused stories. So I don't know. Like this is kind of like his like first try at that, and it doesn't always go over too good. But what can you do? I feel like the conversation changes over time, and you know, if someone makes an effort to keep up with where thought is and makes an effort to grow, then it's easier to forgive. If sure. someone gets kind of stuck in one era, then it's it's less. Or goes um, backwards. Yeah, or goes backwards, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you see, so. too, like, with Claremont, like, he's the person who later, whenever there is that terrible story with, you know, Carol Danvers, where she's in the Avengers and, like, the Marcus story happens, Chris Claremont's the one who, like, rectifies that, you know? So it's like, he is out there, like, looking out, you know? He's do- he's doing what he can, but... And then he once again claims Carol for his own for a while, like, makes yeah. her... You know, she's not really regularly there, but if you're going to see Carol Danvers, it's going to be in an X-Men comic. And those comics were great. Like, that's when she becomes binary and, like, Mm -hmm. she's just like, I don't even care about her, like, anymore. Like, you know, all this bad stuff happened. Now I feel like the X-Men have betrayed me. Like, you know, that stuff is good. Like, they did a great job writing about her there. So he improved, definitely. Like, he kind of, like, came back to Carol and was, like, able to do a much better job. Mm-hmm. So so it was like she started as Miss Marvel and then Binary. Binary. And then, and then Warbird. And then at some point someone convinced her to – because during all this, there's other Captain Marvels, right? Yep. There's uh, Monica, Monica and there's <laughs> there's Marvel Jr. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was another Miss Marvel in Fantastic Four whose name escapes me. But someone just pointed that out on Twitter today. Oh, yeah. I forgot all about her. 
she was a she's had some sort of relationship with a thing. I don't I don't yeah. know that air Fantastic Four at all. She eventually turns into a she thing, but for a while yeah. she was like Miss Marvel, um, a new Miss Marvel. Um, but then oh, yeah, she has like the big uh, the big M on her costume. At some <laughs> yeah. point, like I guess it's uh, what was that? Wow, totally blanking on the storyline. House of M. House of M. House of <laughs> House of M. They kind of reformat her to be a superhero superhero, like. And then after that, she remembers that happening and liked it. So now we kind of get the the Captain Marvel that we're going to get or that we did get kind of in this movie in a way, at least looks wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in House um, of M, she was kind of the Superman of that world. Right. And she enjoyed being like the premier superhero. Mm-hmm. So and she I think that if I remember right, that's when she actually becomes Ms. Marvel again and takes on her old costume and maybe not. I think she've already had her own costume, but takes on her old name. Um, and that's Brian Reed's series. Yep. But since then, she's had multiple titles of her own, right? Multiple volumes, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, so. The, the the current Captain Marvel incarnation, was that when Marvel now started up in 12? In 2012? Yeah. 2012, yeah. Okay. Um, really briefly, one of the... Just one of the things I like about her her first series is that Jerry Conway starts it, and he makes Peter and Mary Jane supporting cast for her for a while. That was cool. I kind of wish that had continued on because the idea that Peter Parker is somebody else's like C ranked character in their series, <laughs> uh-huh. I would have loved to see that. And Mary Jane was a more of a character than Peter in that series. I would have loved to see that too. She was. I think that, like, they kind of did this thing where they were like, well, what woman character can be Carol's friend? And it, like, theoretically, that should be offensive, but it actually was great because it was Mary Jane. So it's Mm -hmm. like, Mary Jane would be Carol's friend. Like, this makes perfect sense. Like, the way that she just kind of shows up and is like, hi, I'm Mary Jane. Like, I'm your bestie now. Like, and Carol's like, okay, I have, like, a lot of stuff going on. (laughs) Like, they go to, like, lunch a bunch of times. Like, it's really good. I miss their friendship quite a bit. Like, I kind of wish that that had been developed more. Is it weird that Peter then gets a crush on Carol later and they actually go on a couple of dates? Peter's a total weirdo. Like, (laughs) (laughs) if there's anything you can do to make it weird, like, Peter Parker will be the one who does it. Like, yeah, he made it weird for sure. That date was weird. Like, the issue where they go on a date together is like, Uh dear Lord. But I kind of loved it, too. (laughs) Yeah, I did, too, because I was like, this indicates so much about these characters. Like, Carol's like, yeah, sure, I'll, like, try. (laughs) And Peter's just like, oh, this is going to be amazing. And then they both kind of just, like, realize that, like, she's on a totally different, like, plane of reality than Peter Parker is. Well, and it's so awkward boy thing to, like, really like the really attractive girl and ask her out. And then yeah. you go out and you realize you actually you actually don't have anything common besides your hormones, you know, looking yeah. at when you look at her. But then yep. it's such a cool thing for Carol that like they actually still be stay friends. And she, you know, is a pretty cool friend of him whenever he's on the Avengers for a while there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay, so I have not read nearly as much of the Kelly Sudaconic and other writers on Captain Marvel. So um before we get into the movie, because I do want to get into the movie. Is there like, are there like really big highlights of what's been going on in her life in the last few years? Um, yeah, definitely. Like, I think that the most important thing is basically like the Captain Marvel comic is what the Captain Marvel movie more or less came out of. So it's kind of like her choosing to become Captain Marvel is happens in like the very first issue. Like, you know, the, her and Steve Rogers have a whole conversation about it where he's like, no, like you're Captain Marvel. Please like start and <laughs> just like accept that, you know? Um, and then, yeah, she kind of, it's like things that you need to know for the movie. I don't know, but like she hooks up with like Rhodey in that series. Like, so they have like a really cute, like romance. That's where like you, like Chewie had shown up and Chewie is goose in the movie. Uh, Chewie had shown up like earlier than that, but this is where we get like Chewie as a flirkin and like all of that kind of stuff. Okay. And that's James Rhodes, right? War Machine? Yeah. 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 Sorry, okay. that, that seems like a good relationship pairing over Peter Parker. Good God. It really was. And I loved their dynamic because like Rhodey is a very chill person, but he's also capable of like being there for her in a way that's like very low key. And I think that that's like 
with Carol, like, one of her things is just being, like, dissatisfied with everything. And it's like, well, <laughs> Rhodey is, like, the person who you can't be dissatisfied with. Like, it's impossible because he's just, like, the best guy, you know. So I, I do enjoy that. Did their uh, did their military background, was that a bonding point for them or did that ever not uh, come up? Yeah. <laughs> okay. They, like, they make, like, little jokes about it. Okay. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, getting into the movie. Um, of course... I was really curious going into the movie about what kind of origin story and creation story they were going to do for her because you have so many different elements to Marvel and Captain Marvel and Carol Danvers. And I was, they basically did what I wanted to do, which was like pull in lots of different elements and fuse it into a neat whole. So mm-hmm. you have, you have her getting her powers from the Cree. You have Marvel being involved in the actual incident where that happens. You have, um, uh, her kind of dissociative identity thing like was going on in the Ms. Marvel series where she wasn't really sure that she was Captain Marvel and Carol Danvers and all that stuff. They mm-hmm. they like played with that in a new way. So I liked that. I liked how they put all that together in an origin story. What did, what did y'all think about that? Yeah, I think that they like just 100% combined everything as neatly as you possibly could. Like... There's a lot of stuff going on with that character, and they did what they could. Like, it was really good, I thought. Yeah, I mean, you in her comic book world, of course, she needs Captain Marvel to be Captain Marvel, right? And they're not going to mm-hmm. do that in this movie. We all knew that. So yeah. I like that they kind of instead just tied it to the stone again, because those stones get around in this MCU. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they um, sure do. But that way, it's not like something new you have to wrap your brain around, right? It's the Tesseract mm-hmm. again. Although I did leave the movie trying to trace the path of the Tesseract. I think I have it worked out now, but there was a little bit there where I was like, how did she get the Tesseract? Never mind. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I liked it to kind of just combine elements and made it work that way. How do we like Brie Larson? Oh, I'm going to get uh, beat up for this, but this is probably my least favorite part of the movie. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not getting the charisma. I love the charisma. <laughs> okay, I, that's totally fair too. I mean, I don't, I don't have a reason to argue with you about it because I don't know why I don't. There, it was just falling flat for me. Um, I don't know. Like if maybe some actors appeal and some don't, and this just it wasn't working. Like all her, the snark and the and the half smiles and stuff. Like it just wasn't hitting home for me. What did you feel? How'd you feel about it, Sarah? Oh, I loved her. I think that she's okay. great. <laughs> See, outvoted. Of course. That's fine. There's no way. I mean, I can't, you know, but then I feel like there's like so much about like her that was just going to appeal. Like this is, it's like, I'm the specific demographic. Like Mm -hmm. I'm like a 36 year old lesbian. Like, of course I think that Brie Larson is like the greatest, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had seen her re- I just a, a couple months ago. My wife uh, showed me the movie girl on a train maybe. Oh Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that was fantastic. And she yeah. was in that. And she was in Kong or something. <laughs> I don't even remember her in it. So, yeah, I guess I guess there's no connectivity between us for some reason. Was she in Skull Island? Yeah. Okay. Yes, with Loki the entire time, and I don't remember oh, that. Okay. I don't, I don't think her name was on my radar when I saw that movie. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that she was in. I'm sure she did a fantastic job. It's just that she was not a... Uh, an actor that I was like keying in on specifically when I saw that. Yeah. Uh, I should go watch it. Should watch it again. Um, mm. I'm interested but, to see what she's going to be like in Endgame because now she's not going to lead the movie. She's going to be surrounded by a bunch of people I do like. I wonder if that's going to change the dynamic at all. I don't know. I was just like really glad that this they turned this movie into a buddy picture because that way at least Sam Jackson was like making me laugh. Mm-hmm. But you know, she, uh, yeah, I was just wasn't a- feeling it. She was occasionally on the stoic side. I mean, obviously, she has a lot going on in her life right now. But um, I feel like she filled a lot of the, like, action warrior character tropes. Um, And I mean, like, characters like Batman are surrounded by, like, characters that improve them and, like, make them more interesting. I think that, like, if we were reading Batman forever, we would not be that into Batman because it's like a lot of the dynamic comes from like how he interacts with other people and I think that that was like you know that was certainly on display in the movie where like you got to see a lot of like who she was more or less through other people as opposed to like really being a self-propelled thing I guess 
because like you like yeah I don't know that was kind of like the supporting cast was so strong you couldn't go wrong with it I guess you know like for sure um but that said like I still thought that like Brie Larson did a great job because I think that that is like how the character is like she is like that kind of like you know like a little stoic like a little jovial like underneath it you know and it yeah, comes I, didn't, I didn't mind the stoic stuff. It was the it was the trying to be funny stuff that wasn't that was falling flat for me. But sure, you know, it's I don't fine. know. Yeah, <laughs> what are you gonna do? I'll try it again. Do? I'll try <laughs> it again. I'm sure I'll watch it again. We'll see what happens. Sure. Um. So it's been a while since I see the movie. Yon Rog. Um. It's funny because the actor Yon who plays Yon Rog, the the main Cree guy that's like her mentor. Uh-huh. Right, right. Jude so, Law. Right, Jude Law. When I had seen Jude Law in the trailers, I just assumed he was Marvel. Me too. Uh-huh. And maybe they intended to leave that vague because we they certainly gave no indication of how they were going to portray Marvel, uh-huh. uh, which I think was a smart choice. We'll talk more about Marvel in a minute. But um, as soon as I realized I was Jan Rog, I was like, oh. This is not necessarily going to go great because I know the role that Jan Rog plays in the comics. He's not a nice person. Um, but at the beginning of the movie, whenever he was so on her about her, like, you know, not measuring up and needs to improve and needs to get better and all this stuff, I figured it was just your typical military mindset. Mm-hmm. But my daughter was already keying in on it. She was already like, she does not need to follow your order. She does not need to do what you think she needs to do, which mm-hmm. is ultimately one of the points they make of the character dynamic mm-hmm. but um but i did like seeing young rog play such an important role in captain marvel story and again it's, it's it's separate elements being pulled together this is a captain marvel story but they also made it a captain marvel from the bronze age story it was it was just cool it was just cool how the tied stuff together mm-hmm. yeah i agree with that i i didn't know who young rog was um, and someone, you know, of course, tweets or whatever. Oh, Jude Law is Jan Rog. I think it was Van Plexico, actually, one of our our, our Iron Man co-host, because he likes mm-hmm. Captain Marvel a lot. And I'm like, I don't know who that is, but you know what? I'm not going to look it up because if it turns out he's like a specific bad guy or something, I don't want to know that right now. You know, mm-hmm. I haven't seen the movie yet. Well, so I was like, so I was like going in, and I still thought they were bad guys because what's his face was on their team, uh, the dude from Guardians of the Galaxy, Ronan. No. Mm-hmm. Well, also that eventually. Oh, like, yeah, literally yeah, yeah. On the their guy. Team. Korath. Korath. I was like, so it's like, K. well, if Korath is working with them, and we know that guy's a jerky jerk, then these guys must be jerks. And they were. Right. <laughs> um, okay, so we get to Earth, and we start meeting, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. and Coulson and uh, Nick Fury. And, and I've said this before. When I first saw Nick Fury on the trailer... Um, just his face shape and the way he carried himself. And I don't know, just like the working class guy that he was kind of portraying himself as, I was like, this is the pre shield Nick Fury from the comics that I, I wanted to see. And I kind of loved it. Um, that, you know, before he's like in charge and crusty and cynical and old, you know, he's, he's just, a really awesome shield guy. And I, I kind of love that Nick, that Sam Jackson got to do that. Yeah, I agree. I think that like, he was just so good in that movie. Like it's hard to, for me. It's kind of hard to be like, Oh, which cast member was I like the most into or something? Because I thought that they all did such a good job. Like even Jude law, like that's like one of my favorite roles I've ever seen him in. Um, and it was the same with Sam Jackson. Like that was just excellent, excellent work. And his, like, dynamic, I think, with, like, everybody. Like, he was really good at just being this kind of, like, social guy who, like, at the same time is in way, way over his head. And I thought that that was really good. Yeah, it's cool to see, um, you know, pre-director Nick Fury, I guess. Yeah. I don't know what his position is. I guess he was just a regular old agent who shows up when Blockbuster gets attacked, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was neat to, to get a glimpse of that life, like, when he actually was in the field you know, hoofing it like everybody else, like Coulson. Mm-hmm. Um, and cool. man, they're, they're getting good at that, that um, de-aging technology. Cause I didn't even, I didn't even really think about it when I was watching the film. Yeah. Anymore. I don't know. Either I'm getting used to it or they're getting better at it. I didn't think about it at all with Sam Jackson. Right? I did notice it with Coulson. 
Yes, I did too. I think maybe that's because they just dyed his hair weird or something. Or yeah. gave him a bad wig or something. There were some shots of Coles that did not quite work as well as they could have done. But, I mean, he was only on screen for like a total of two and a half minutes. Yeah, so. mm-hmm. true. Um, Sarah, who's another character you want to talk about? Oh, uh, well, obviously I want to talk about Maria and Monica. Yeah. <laughs> um, who That's I my Captain Marvel, by the way. Monica? Yeah, I mean, fair <laughs> enough. Like, you can't. Can't go wrong with Monica Rambeau. I hope that she gets, I don't know. Every time she kind of pops up, I'm just like, you like have to give her a series. Like <laughs> every, the amount of like goodwill that that character has and like how many people really hold her as being so important, you know, in their hearts, right. basically like you just have to give Monica a series soon. Um, I enjoyed everything about those characters. Uh, Monica, I think like there was some issues, like the way that I Uh, work with another writer named Stephanie Williams and like she did an article that was just kind of like you know that was good but it was like kind of troubling to me because like you know the way that that Monica comes to her powers in the comic she doesn't have anything to do with Carol and now it's like she's like indebted to Carol you know and it's just like she's her auntie Carol and like all that stuff like I think for people who like truly are super into like Monica's origin story, that was a little bit of a difficult change. Um, but as having just like a really cute kid, like <laughs> running in and like being adorable, you know, that's like a plus. So we need that in a movie and we especially need needed her to like kind of humanize Carol a little bit, I think. And uh, I think that Maria and Monica also were like just interesting characters by themselves. Like they both just, seemed like there was a lot more to their story that we just never got to. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot more that they can tell there. She, um, now in the comics, is she tied to Marvel or Cree or anything, or is she just used the same name? Monica Rambo. Yeah. Yeah. She gets the powers like uh, in a different way. Like it has nothing to do with that. She doesn't even have the same powers as any of them. Like, okay. She has like light based powers. Um, and yeah, she's not she's cosmic. Like, She's not cosmic. Um, I think she has the power level that then makes her cosmic, but it doesn't, it wasn't the origin of it. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, she was like basically kind of just like showed up as Captain Marvel and like Captain America and the Wasp were like, Oh my God, this girl's like really cool. Like we should like let her be on the Avengers. Not only be on the Avengers, let's let her lead the Avengers. They Which, like they both leave the team within like eleven issues. Like Janet's like, listen, I've been overworking. Like I'm going to take a vacation. Yeah. <laughs> and then like Captain America, and she was leader. And then she was leader, yeah. yeah. And it was really she good. was leader on a team that had Hercules and Submariner on it. So it that's like a, a tough a, job. Tough job. And Doctor Druid was like, and Doctor Druid, right? The entire time, and he was yeah. like awful about it. He sucked. And then like, yeah, just like the everything about it everybody condescended to her i loved like she hulk being like you don't talk to her that way like she hulk yeah. was like her true friend on that team but yeah she she inherited like the worst avengers team ever and <laughs> kind of like reading back those issues you're just like damn monica you like never stood a chance you deserve to have like another shot at this but that said like yeah so there's no connectivity other than name but i kind of like we were talking about earlier with the infinity stones i do like that when they make the universe a little smaller so if Monica ends up being the future of the MCU in some way, I wouldn't be upset if she got her powers from Carol in some way. Yeah. Um, just like I don't care that the Hulk exists because they tried to recreate Captain America instead of making a gamma bomb or, you know, whatever. It's nice sure. to have all these things just affecting each other. Right. Um, but, you know, things like specifically mean different things for different sure. people. So of you kind of go like, you know, like some people like definitely will have more of an issue with it. Uh uh, you know, obviously. <laughs> right. Guess. Sure. Um, that said, I do and, like both those finding... characters because it because it uh, connected Danvers with you know Earth, which was good because it took a while to get there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, the movie starts with us not knowing who she is. She has like a little flashback that we don't really get, and then she's just Cree, Cree, Cree for a very long time and a foreigner, and then they finally start bringing us back to who Carol really is, and you know, grounding her in humanity. So that was. That was good character moments. But yeah, there wasn't enough of them. So maybe if there's a Captain Marvel 2, we can get some more. Yep. Well, yeah. I, can, I can definitely see the perspective on wanting to have Monica stand on her own and not be dependent upon another character. Um, at the same time, it's like, okay, but we have 
we have a comic history that's like over decades and there was no Captain Marvel. And so you're making this Captain Marvel character in the, in the mid to late eighties. And there's no reason to have her be dependent upon Marvel because Marvel has been dead since 1981. Right. Um, as opposed to the movies where it's like, okay, the movie's 10 movie universe is 10 years old. We want to do Captain Marvel. We want to like, we want to like honor all the Captain Marvel that we can. We definitely can't leave Monica out of this. Right. So yeah. let's, let's tie her directly in to, to, to Carol's story and, you know, make her important to that. So mm-hmm. it's, I, I think it's one of those catch 22s where you can't necessarily please all the different sides of the, of the fandom, but I liked the, the blending they did. Right. Sure. Ah. Um, I think it's just like really specific because we're talking about like a black woman who was like once a peer to this character and then like is kind of put uh-huh. in a secondary place. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, that's what sucks about it. You know, like, it's like, you know, we get it, whatever, you know, nobody's like enraged <laughs> like right, right. of the theater, I guess, or maybe a little they are, but like, you know, um, and I, 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 I totally respect that perspective. I was really stoked though. When I saw her last name on, I don't know what, when they released those images of like the yeah. fighter pilot scenes and you saw her name and it's like, Oh, they're actually going to put her in the movie. I don't know. I didn't yeah. expect that. I know that was, I mean, you know, it's a lot, it's complicated. Like, I right, feel like right. it. <laughs> well, I, I was du- Monica. like, she's the best, you know, mm-hmm. like she should totally be Captain Marvel. Like, don't get me wrong, you know, but I was sitting there for a while being dumb because Marsha and Monica, like they both start and end with the same sound. And it was like halfway through their part of the movie before I realized, Oh, wait a second. The mom's not Monica. The, the daughter's <laughs> Monica. Isn't, and, uh, and, uh, Isn't her name Maria? Yes. Maria. See, there I am getting the names wrong again. <laughs> I, I mean, it took me a while to get that too. So, and it's been, you know, two or three weeks since I saw the movie. So I'm sure that's also playing into my problems now. Um, so yeah, Maria and Monica, I'm sorry. Um, no, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, setting her up as a young person in the mid nineties. So of course she's going to be of her character, her comics character's age in 2019, Yep. which I think was an extremely uh, smart move, whether they have plans or whether they just want to leave the doors open for future possibilities of plans. Either way, I'm on board. Oh yeah, sure, makes sense. Because um, Carol Danvers is going to die fighting Thanos, so you know we need a new Captain Marvel for number two. You mm. know, I wish you hadn't said that. <laughs> <laughs> They're all going to die, John. They're all going <laughs> to die. Um, so here, here's like the big. I haven't read a lot of like. Other than the hate that existed before the movie even came out, we don't even need to get into that. But like, uh, <laughs> the only thing that I hear a lot of, you know, uh, I don't know if it's even complaining, but the 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 scrolls being good guys. What'd you all think of think of that? That was my favorite part because I yeah. think like a lot of the things that they do with Captain Marvel gets like. Um, construed as kind of like glorification of like military essentially and i've seen a lot of critiques that were based on that i didn't read that at all because i feel like the military was something that gave her a lot of family and a lot of purpose but at the same time they're kind of just like hey like the villains who you think are you know what you're fighting maybe aren't what you should be fighting like maybe you need to like step back look at your individual perspective like to me that was kind of like I wouldn't call it like anti-military by any chance, like any stretch, but like I would definitely say that like it added nuance in a place that I wouldn't give credit to propaganda for doing. Like if it were like propaganda, then it would be a very different thing. I think. Yeah, I um and go ahead. Just to 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 look at another side of it because I I'm sorry, Mike. Go ahead. Well, go ahead. The um the the refugee element and aspect of the scrolls was was really well handled. I really enjoyed it. I liked that you have someone that you're judging because of how they look and because that's what you've been told to judge is how they look. And then you find out, oh, wait a second. Oh, no, they're actually the ones that are suffering here. And, you know, it it just addresses those themes of prejudice and everything in really great ways. But I wonder, I'm sitting here wondering, for future stories, because, you know, one of the things we wondered, are they going to do secret invasion? As soon as we found out about scrolls, that that was a question. For future stories... Are we led by this film to believe that scrolls as a whole are sympathetic in this conflict or that this particular group of family and friends were sympathetic because they were, you know, left to drift for years or whatever? I mean, where did the movie leave us with that? Because I don't honestly remember the detail on that. I think they were suggesting that all the scrolls were fairly innocent of the Kree's 
you know, domination. Although he did say that one guy who I really liked, whose name I have to look it up because I'm cheating, but Talos, the leader, mm-hmm. um, he did say that even he has done things that he's not proud of because of this war. So you could, I guess, argue that there's probably quote unquote bad scrolls or scrolls that don't do great things. But on a whole, on the whole, I was I felt like the scrolls were the victims and the Cree were the oppressors. Mm-hmm. Um, which I really, I also liked. I thought it was. A good twist because, you know, Marvel's been tricking us for the last, what, 80 years telling us that scrolls are 60 years, I guess, that scrolls are bad. So I didn't even see that coming. And then when they reveal it, I still didn't believe it. <laughs> um, I thought, oh, this is a trick. Right. Then I start then I start flashing back or thinking back while they're talking. I start thinking back through the movie and going, you know, they actually haven't done anything bad. I just mm-hmm. thought they were because they're shooting at Captain Marvel. But of course, you'd shoot at your enemy. Right. That's not bad. Yeah. Um, he tried to like trick sam jackson but again if he thinks of him as an enemy and he didn't kill him or anything he just tried to trick him and then he like even prayed for his dead soldier at some point like in the morgue mm-hmm. so it's like wait maybe they are good and then it turned out they were that was cool well it turns out we've all grown up being taught to believe that scrolls are bad so we just assumed yeah mm-hmm. um so okay so we got scrolls we got um monica what's okay so we need to talk about wendy vaughn Wendy Vaughn. Marvel. Oh. Her name was Wendy Vaughn. Wasn't it? Wasn't that her human name? Wendy Lawson. Wendy wow. Lawson. I don't know where I got Vaughn from. Because Vaughn is Quasar. That's where I got it from, exactly. Because Wendell Vaughn is Quasar, isn't he? Yes. 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 Uh, Lawson so. was the name of Captain Marvel, <laughs> like the original Marvel, and uh, this new Captain Marvel. Or I guess she wasn't Captain Marvel, but, you know. Right. Wendy but Marvel. <laughs> Was Marvel. So, okay. I was debating coming into this whole thing whether or not I even want to like like mention all of the ridiculous things that have been said out there. But <laughs> let's do uh, it. I do I have to say this because it's just like, oh my gosh, why it just betrays so many like mindsets. I heard this Marvel described as a little old cat lady. Oh, okay. come on. And it's just like Oh my gosh. Okay. So you're you're judging her age because I don't know, she's not 25. Uh-huh. And there is a cat in the movie. And so therefore she is a cat lady. And right. and it's just like, and there's nothing little about she's, her. She, she's not an inventor that you like recognize. Like she's not somebody who like literally propels the plot line of the movie. Like she's a right. little cat lady. Gotcha. Yeah. And it's just like, oh my gosh. How and you know that kind of you know aspects of fandom are just I guess they're never going to go away or, or won't go away soon enough. But um, I thought Marvel did exactly in this film what Marvel was supposed to do in Carol's story, and oh, even right. better because like they changed it out to where like Carol's origin is no longer dependent on a male figure. Like it's like also. The fact that in those early days, whenever you read the first Captain Marvel series, he's like a total jerk to her. (laughs) Like, he's awful. He says sexist things all of the time. Like, that dynamic being changed into it being, like, a woman mentor for her was just, like, it's such a better move. Like, and they did it very uh, subtly. Like, they didn't make a huge deal out of it. Like, they were kind of just like, well, this is who, like, Marvel is. Um, and that was just better, honestly. Like, they couldn't have done it the other way. Like, they'd have to change it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had the exact same thoughts. It's like, oh, wow. You're you're giving her a connection to Marvel that parallels what it was in the comics, but making her a mentoring woman instead of a, a standoffish male is is such the right move to make. Oh, yeah. And, like, Independent has that great quality where, like, we could never, like, we see her as the supreme intelligence, and that makes sense. And then it's, like, you see her as, like, this, like, kind of gruff older lady who's, like, been around, you know, and, like, had to do all of this stuff and, like, really make these tough decisions in life. And it's, like, I can buy either version. Like, I can buy her as either because she's just Annette Benning. Like, she's good actor. Mm-hmm. I really, I loved her as the supreme intelligence I oh, thought yeah. she did a great job on that. Um, oh, yeah. Those green eyes. Ugh, scary. Yeah, she's good at being scary. I thought that was really cool. I like. I just like that direction instead of, you know, a big blobby brain. I wasn't oh, expecting yeah. that either. I didn't know if we'd even see the Supreme Intelligence, but that was just a cool way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
as far as Marvell, I just kind of felt like she, you know, she served her purpose. She did what needed to happen to make the thing go forward. But I think I would have liked maybe a little more. I don't know. I don't know what. Maybe more flashbacks or something. I think so too. But yeah. that's that's my only complaint about it. Is like she she was there. She did her thing. Here's the, her relationship. Here's how the ship blew up and we got our powers. The end. But like I don't know something more because we got we got flashbacks of like Carol partying with. Uh, Maria and stuff like that. And that was cool. That felt like a connectivity, a friendship. Mm-hmm. And in this, we, the only flashbacks we ever got seemed to be like when the scrolls are trying to, we thought torture her, but really just extract information. Um, mm-hmm. So they were like weird flashbacks. They weren't, yeah. they weren't emotional flashbacks. Kind of like, you know, revealing the Joker killed the Waynes in 89 Batman. That wasn't emotional. That was just weird. Right. Yeah. Um, Weird effects and stuff. So yeah, I would. I wish there was more scenes where there was some sort of connectivity. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'll agree with we, that. We need more like older lady mentors who are like mm-hmm. out there, like being action heroes at the same time. In my personal opinion, like I think that yeah. that like has taken off a little bit more like this year. Like seeing like you know Jamie Lee Curtis and like the new Halloween and stuff like that. Like I hope that that trend. At least, if it's a trend that even exists, I might just be trying to, like, will it into existence. But, um, yeah, I would love to have seen a little bit more of her. She was really good. Well, you know, for Endgame, Thanos is going to be defeated by Glenn Close because she's Nova Prime. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I just made that up. But why not? (laughs) Fantastic. Meryl Streep is going to save the universe. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, um, the... Tesseract, you mentioned earlier, Mike, and you said you kind of had thought about the timeline some on that. Do you want to share some of your thoughts? Well, it's just like every like with Infinity War, I remember like we you and I had a discussion when we talked about the movie, like trying to trace the history of all these different stones. And because a lot of it is like, you know, after credit scenes and things like that. So Tesseract was found by the Red Skull and then he blew it up and it went into the ocean. And I guess they don't really show how Marvel got it, but she got it. And then that's how S.H.I.E.L.D. in turn got it for Avengers. And then from there, it made its way back to Asgard. And then Loki got it. And then Loki gave it to Thanos. Right? Mm-hmm. Sounds right. I Sounds so. right. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, that was just something I was like, how's this working? But yeah, so we're missing the scene where Marvel finds it at the bottom of the ocean or wherever she found it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I remember, that's okay. um, I remember in, was it... Oh, which movie was it? Where I think it was maybe the end of Thor. Um, the the Nor Norwegian scientist guy from Thor was asked uh-huh. by Fury to study the Tesseract. Right. So by that time, Shield had it in their custody. Right. We never saw how that happened, and so this kind of tells us how that happened. Right. Okay. Um. All right. Well, I I'm running out of things to say. I I thought that Goose and the Flurkin reveal were were fantastic. Yep, I was going to say, we can't leave it off if we don't talk about Goose. Um, And also, we have to talk about Dr. Minerva. Um, But Goose is, like, so, so good. (laughs) And there there are, like, two different Funko Pops of Goose. Oh, so good. (laughs) Um, One with, uh, I think, there may be three. I think there's a cat, and there are, like, two different levels of tentacleness coming out of her face. So did you guys... Did you guys think it was a cat the entire time, or did you know it was an alien? And I just didn't know that. I read a Kelly Sue DeConnick series, so I definitely knew. Oh, um, okay. That's like one of the better parts of that series, because like, okay. she had like, a great line, let go of my flirking cat, you know. I thought it was just like a Tribble joke, you know, like Klingons hate Tribbles for no reason. And so like <laughs> scrolls just hate this cat because they think it's like the mortal enemy of the scrolls and it's just a no. cat. So I'm like, this is amusing. And then like tentacles came out and killed that stuff. So like, oh, Rocket. it's not a cat. <laughs> Rocket's the one. Rocket in the Captain Marvel series, whenever Carol ends up hanging out with the Guardians of the Galaxy, Rocket's like, you like don't want that thing near you. And she's just like, yes, I do. It's my cat. Uh-uh. And uh, that was a surprise. And Fury tells Goose, "Okay, I'm trusting you not (laughs) to eat me. And then Goose takes out his eye. Yep. And later in life, he's like, last time I trusted someone, I lost an eye. (laughs) That's how it is. That's how it was. Cats will do it. And I, 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 I like that there was already like legend by the end of the movie as to how he lost his eye. Right. That he just lets happen. 
Yeah, he didn't do anything to stop it. <laughs> I'm sure it's, it's even it's even probably morphed a little bit in his mental memory. It's like last time I trusted someone. You know what? You know what else was cool is he got his eye hurt at least like three times in that movie. They teased it out. Oh yeah, they totally did. I kept waiting for it to be the time. Yep. And then of course at the last minute they throw in a, the real time, and that was funny. <laughs> oh, so talk, talk about Doctor Minerva. Oh, um, yeah, I thought that Gemma Chan did a great job. Um, and then Atlas, who I don't know the actor who played Atlas, but I really wanted to see more of them. Uh, I, I'm assuming if we see sequels of this movie that they'll probably take a more prominent role as villains, I guess. But uh, they are like obscure, weird Marvel villains that have just been kicking around Cosmic Marvel for quite a long time. They were in the Quasar series there for a couple of issues. Um, and I kind of like them, like... They're interesting, I think. They're more interesting than like a lot of the Cree, I think, to me. Um, are we talking but, about the uh, the people that are working with Jan Rog or Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So Dr. Minerva was like uh, the one where Carol's like, Oh, is that why we never hung out? And she's just like, No, I oh, just yeah. didn't like you. Um, right. so I like her <laughs> and like I thought that she was really good but it was like too brief and like we didn't really get into her character at all but they both of those characters her and atlas have like the same like long weird Cree cosmic marvel histories and i was just like they were characters that didn't get fleshed out enough but like the people who were playing them did a really good job and they kind of just like it was one of those like annette binning in this movie things where you're just like oh i want to see more of that because like that kind of it like touched on some comic history that is just like so bizarre that it was like kind of weird to see them in the series. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I thought that they both did a really good job and I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of, I mean, we should probably wrap this up soon, but speaking of uh, just one last thing, you know, you were, you were asking like, John, do you think the scroll, all the scrolls are good or just that particular sect? But how did the Kree uh, uh, also end up? Because if you think about Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Ronan is like a uh, uh, a rebel of his people. Mm -hmm. Like they've established peace. And we can assume maybe that Captain Marvel helped with that by, you know, beating up Kree or something, oh, yeah. <laughs> creating a peace treaty. So he's yeah. the like the only one left, him and his sect are the only ones left going around like being evil Cree. So, mm -hmm. so, uh, do you think that all the Cree are bad? Well, I guess all the Cree must be bad because the Supreme intelligence wasn't exactly a nice lady. Um, I think that the, Oh yeah. And I'm sorry, you actually asked this question to John, I believe. No, right? no, 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 go ahead. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I think, um, so no, go ahead. Me, go ahead. that was kind of the deal was like, you don't, know who's good and bad and that also like it's kind of a case-by-case -case basis i think because that's like what you see a lot in the comics with the kree like mm -hmm. some kree are totally heroes but like also these like these um these hierarchies and like these systems that they work under aren't necessarily ethical so to me it was like more question the system within you with uh, sorry that you are working within rather than being like this person this kind of person is all good that kind of person is all bad right right yeah yeah, I was kind of thinking the same. It's like we we are left this particular story with these particular people in this situation, not feeling sympathetic towards the Cree. Um, <laughs> but you know, how does that morph and change over time? And and you know, Ronan by the two thousand you know nineteen chapters is portrayed as a religious radical. He is a holdout of an old belief system, mm -hmm. and um, he's you know not a good person. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, if Jan Rog were still alive, would he be the same way? Would he be following Ronan? Would he be following his, you know, his people's government as mm -hmm. a man of the military? We just don't know. Um, so, yeah, it's an interesting question. I, I'll be curious to see how they address it. Now, I take that back. We have seen Kree in the modern day. We've seen them in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Oh, well, I haven't Kree, watched that. The Kree and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are... Um, they're not necessarily warlike and trying to take over the world, but they are. They do enslave lots of people. Mm -hmm. They are very um, egalitarian. Like <laughs> What's that? Like I think that they're kind of like eugenics based always in the comic where they're just like, here's like this example of perfection that we strive towards. And then like they have obviously like, you know, kind of this like what I would consider to be kind of like, you know, if we're going to deal with like real world issues, it's kind of a racist hatred towards the scrolls. Um 
And I think that that, like, has a lot to do with, like, what their perceptions of themselves are and how, like, they value being, like, the best and being perfect. And, like, they're just like, yeah, we're noble heroes and, like, stuff like that, you know. I think that, like, a lot of that stuff is, like, very eugenic sounding. Well, just because Ronan is a religious radical doesn't mean that the Cree are being peaceful altruistically. Right. Um and actually, I can't remember whose head he was smashing when he was giving that speech, but it wasn't a scroll. So maybe that was a whole different race that they were at peace with. That was a uh, uh, freaking Nova. The people. people from Nova's planet, right? Yeah. Whatever, that, whatever they're, they're called. called. Yeah. And if I remember right, it's been a while since I've read it, but we when we find out the origins of the Kree Scroll War, it's the late 70s. So we've heard about scrolls for a really long time, but Kree are still a little bit of a less known entity. And we get the origin story. We find out that the scrolls were originally peaceful. Yep. And, you know, it was coming into conflict with the Kree that led them to be more warlike and barbaric in the way they treat the galaxy. Ah. Um, so I think that the choice to make the scrolls sympathetic here is definitely rooted in comics. Mm-hmm. So if only uh, I had read more, I wouldn't have been surprised at all. <laughs> well, not say that to you, but just to say that, you know, if no. Because that story choice has gotten questioned online a lot. And I'm like, yeah. I'm, I I think it's actually a comics-based story choice. It's just not the one we see most often. Right. Because that's not how they're originally presented, of course. So that's a retcon. But right. Still, that's cool. Yeah, and then, you know, like, it got kind of, like, changed again. Like, uh, it changes <laughs> so much. Yeah, yeah. This, as long as they keep on making comics, they're going to keep on changing comics history. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah um. Any any other thoughts coming out or characters or, or story points that we want to address? Um, I think that that's about it. It was like kind of a straightforward movie. Like, yeah. it's like for all of the Easter eggs that we were all like, you know, I was super excited to see a bunch of that stuff. Um, it stuck to its mission. Like, it kind of just like went through with like it's, fighting scrolls and then it's, not it's like it just felt like not in a bad way necessarily, but it felt like it was setting up the chess pieces for basically end game. So, so I had to get through that and now we have a new player who can, you know, punch spaceships and we'll see what happens. (laughs) We'll see what happens. (laughs) Yeah. I'm trying to find um, the review that my daughter gave of it. Okay. Yeah. If if, if they do the, the, the cheeks thing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, um, whenever I came out of the film, um, I was posting on Facebook and uh, someone asked, well, what did you think of the film? Because we're going to go see it. And I let my daughter reply. So she took the phone and she typed. This is what she typed. She said, in my opinion, this movie is required viewing for every single woman who has been told that she is not capable because of her sex. For every woman who has been told to stop being so emotional or hysteric when she's just expressing her feelings. But it's also required viewing for every man who hasn't been told that. Who's been told he's a leader. Not that he's bossy. I think the movie is fantastic and some of the best work that Marvel Studios has ever done. Oh, yeah. See, I was going to say, too, like in the lobby, there were like all of these like 12 and 13 year old girls that were just like over the moon, you know? So, I mean, mm-hmm. that's a good one. Like, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> like, yeah, that last uh, yawn rog punch was pretty awesome. Oh, mm-hmm. I know. And the whole theater kind of blew up for that. So that's the on point message right there. I mean, whenever I was growing up, the phrase girl power was kind of cutesy and, you know, sort of over there. But I've like been in my own, you know, mental register. That phrase has gotten so much more like strength to it. Like, like having these films are like elevating women and elevating the female gender and just like letting men know, hey, you know what? it hasn't really been okay the way you've been acting for the last few decades or millennia. And I'm just glad things are changing. <laughs> yeah. Well, real. Cause you know, now we can have like more interesting movies at least. <laughs> like, right. Now there's like a lot more stuff going on. Like we get to see like, you know, all of these, like a lot of people who like never would have had access, I guess, to like things like film equipment and like, you know, all of that. It's like great lately, I guess that like, you know, a lot of us have been, like, pushing so hard for it, so it's nice to be able to see stuff like that. Like, I try not to get, like, I don't try to be, like, too overblown about it, because, yeah, it's, like, a Disney movie and billions and all of that stuff, but then at the same time, (laughs) 
at the same time, you know, as much as like I'm, I am a cynic. I'm also just like, you know, I was like a fucking. Oh, sorry to curse, but That's I right. was a 12 year old girl. You know, like I was in that same position, and there was not that for me. And like the Carol Danvers I was getting as a 12 year old was like not that <laughs> at all. You know, like she was like really a lot more troubled and having a lot of like you know a lot of problems but then like there weren't there was just no you know you you had to like read x-men basically like there wasn't a lot of strong female characters that had like equal representation or like page space or anything like that so you know if if that's it's like if that changes and like if you know young people in general are being able to like see this and be like oh it's like fine for like this woman to like you know punch Thanos or like whatever thing happens you know she can do it and like this movie can make this amount of money then like okay that's good you know <laughs> like you can right. take a message from that yeah so as a recording it passed a billion like about 36 hours ago and yeah. that's that's pretty amazing it's the second one by a female director ever to pass a billion so that, that boycott really worked out for those guys I know it's good that they were doing that with their lives right? <laughs> like, Good God. They need, to, they need to chill out. You know they went. Yeah, you know they Liars. went. Liars. And then oh, they're yeah. like mad about it still, like being like, yeah. oh, so mad about this. Whatever. Like totally. Yeah, they they went for sure. <laughs> like, I wish I had that kind of money. I can go to movies just to hate them. I know. <laughs> Good. What but. a leisurely life that must be. <laughs> yeah. <Whew>. <laughs> um. <laughs> Two uh, probably brief talking points, then we'll say our goodbyes. Um, what do we expect Captain Marvel's role to be in Endgame? Punch, Thanos, and uh, Captain game. Warlock, or Captain Warlock. Yeah, Captain Warlock. That was a great answer I just did on <laughs> Yeah, Exodus. really, honestly. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of what I think, is she's going to be the uh, the ace in the hole kind of character instead of Adam Warlock was in the comic, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> that, or also oh, Gamora's going to be Captain Warlock, too, but... Mm-hmm. I but think the, every the person ever shipped Tessa Thompson and Brie Larson is just going to lose their minds. Cause they're going to say like two sentences to each other through the whole movie. <laughs> and like, people are going to be like, Oh my God, they're in love. And like, I'm going <laughs> to be one of those people. Like that's going to be me too, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. I think that that'll basically be it. I think she'll just like show up, do her awesome thing that she just did where she was like punching everything. And it was just great for like the last like 20 minutes <laughs> of the movie. It's like, cool. I'll just watch her fly around and punch stuff. And and I love their choice that we had, you know, Endgame trailers before Captain Marvel came out, but none of them even hinted that she was in the film. Although, of course, we all assumed that she was going to be in the film because of the way the structure of the films. Right. But now that now that the movie's out, we have trailers that show her in the movie. And uh-huh. uh, I'm definitely looking forward to her flying around with her, you know, her Captain Marvel rainbow trails as she flies because that's what mm-hmm. Captain Marvel has. Um, and I love that she had that in the, in that last big action scene. She like turned all colorful and, and light filled. It was great. Yeah. Let's see Thanos throw a moon at Captain Marvel. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I forgot what my other talking point was. So I guess that's done. Um, so unless you'll have anything else. I don't. I think that's about it. All right, Sarah, where, uh, where can they find you? And what's a recent article or two that you've put out there? Um, what did I do today? There was a one that was about uh, Satanism, like <laughs> women, lady Satans in genre. Yes. We're doing religion and genre month at Sci-Fi. Um, so at SciFiFangirls.com, you can find me and a lot of other people who do great writing. Um, and they're doing this thing, like, as I just say, uh, religion and genre for the entire month. And the one that I did today about lady Satans um, and then... <laughs> For that, there was, like, the Aurora piece that was about how badly she's treated in the comics, basically just for being guilty of having a mental illness. Um, oh, yeah. And then Alpha just, flight. like, yep, good old Alpha Flight. And then I'm trying to think, like, there was just, there's been a lot. Like, we just did this, like, 31-episode podcast that was all these women in genre that are just forgotten about. So I did, like, seven or eight of those scripts where I was talking about Dorothy... Oh, wait, no, I didn't even write the Dorothy Woolfolk one. Um, but, like, you know, talking about, like, I did the Marie Severin one. I did, like, Delia Derbyshire and, like, a lot of these, like, women who just have been uh, kind of, like, you know, their work is stolen and then people forget about them. So if you want to learn about that, then check it out. <laughs> and that's at Sci-Fi Fangirls, S-Y-F-Y-F-A-N-G-R-R-L-S. That's right. All right. Well, thank you again so much for being on the show, Sarah. Thank you. Um, 
we'll definitely be looking forward to getting to talk more Marvel movies with you in the near future. Oh, it's X3, though, right? X3! <laughs> well, you know, they can't all be first Baptist. <laughs> We've been trying for a long time. It was like we foresaw this months ago, so it's... I want to talk about Batman and Robin. Oh, my God, yeah. That's like, <laughs> that movie. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit already. Yeah, we should yeah. talk about it more. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but thank you all for having me on. All right, and we will um, see y'all next. Um, well, there's another episode in the feed right now, so you should go listen to that. And Endgame is around the corner, so we'll be coming back soon with that. Hopefully not with a three- or four-week delay like this time. Um, but anyways, Mike? Yes? Do we have any closing things we do on these things? Uh, no, we just say goodbye, usually. Okay. Thank you, Marvel.com. Thank you, Marvel.com. Goodbye, usually. <laughs>